radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. No, community it's 3 30 eastern standard time it's thursday and that's right that's right it's time once again auto dealer live what's up brother man hey what's up mr dave villa how are you sir and i'm doing outstanding 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 i'm excited about this show today i'm excited about sucking less baby sucking less i think our dealerships need to know how to suck less and in reflection be stronger you know, succeed more, win more. What yes, do you think? I think so. I think sucking less is definitely better than sucking more. So <laughs> we we want to yeah. avoid that as a dealership. <laughs> yes. Talking. I could have gone so many bro. different directions there, but I did not. And you know what? We're going to resist that all show. Suck less is what she said. All right. So I, I, I went there. Hey, yeah. man. So how's it going, brother, man? It's going well. You know, I did something unusual. I took the last two days off. Yeah, a little, bro, you slacked. Yeah, I know. A little vacation, and uh, which is very unusual. But, wow, it was, you know, it, I just came back today feeling refreshed, which I guess is the purpose. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, man. Well, welcome back, man. Thank I'm glad you. to have you back Thank here. We missed you while you were gone. And um, I'm very excited, man, about, about talking to the guests today. I'm really, really anxious to dive right in. Um, we're going to be bringing them on here very shortly. But before we get started, listen, our Twitter leader is going on. We've got some swag pack. we got some different things. Uh, we have some autographed books we want to send out to some folks. But listen, we're going to do something special for the top 20 influencers this week, just like always. But it's going to be something extremely special today. Okay? Hashtag Auto Dealer Live. Get on Twitter, man. Let's make it rain. Let's make it rain. Let's make it pour in here. It's been pouring here in Tampa for the last couple of days. It flooded down in downtown. So what I want to do is flood Twitter, man. Let's get on hashtag Auto Dealer Live and uh, let's make it rain on Twitter. And we're going to be doing something special for the top 20 influencers. has nothing to do really with how many followers you have. It has to do with how many people you influence on Twitter. So get creative. Say some things. Let's get creative about having a dealership that sucks less. Let's have a dealership that's stronger. Let's have dealerships that are more aggressive and better and operate with best practices, not worst practices. And um, if you have a question, we'll try to get you on the air today. Uh, we have calls all the time, but we sometimes can't get them on. And so today we're going to try to do that. 813-574-1820. If you have a question you want to try to get on air, we'd love to bring you on. 813 574 
And you know what, man? Have you been? Let's let's we'll, we'll kind of save the topic. But speaking sure. along the lines of of sucking less, and, and really the opposite of that is you know is being stronger and more effective at what we do. You know, let's talk a little bit about being effective in sales. You know, let's talk about. It. We kind of like to bring a little sales mojo to the front of this show all the time. What do you think, bud? Well, I think if you're a sales professional, it's it it's constantly on your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, becoming more effective. It's not something that I think most sales professionals uh, think about. Uh, once in a while. It's something that they really walk in. I mean, they're constantly looking for, hey, how can I do a little better here? How can I improve this? What, 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 can, I, what can I have as another edge in my sales repertoire, if you will? Sure. So I think, that, uh, I think that true professionals are just always conscious of that, thinking about, hey, how can I be better? And, you know, we have a lot of fun with these show titles, like, you know, uh, how, do you, how your dealership can suck less and things like that. But ultimately, you know, the idea here is that you walk away from each show in a better place, better. more effective. Yeah, better. Just be. I almost took a sip of this <laughs> Sorry, coffee. Man. No, uh, better, man. Be better. You know, being better. That's what it's all about, guys. I mean, we're in this industry, and you know, we. It's a tough industry, and it's it's only going to get more competitive for dealerships out there. It's not going to get you know any any lighter, so to speak. And so you have. You know, we're, we're in an industry where people can log on and if they want a Ford, they can, you know, in this area and we're in the Tampa Bay area within like a 10 minute drive. There's probably eight Ford dealerships somebody can, you know, take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, it's they can like go, McDonald's. Hey, sure. <laughs> it, it really is. It's like, you know, there's a McDonald's or, or a grocery store or Publix, you know, here. You know, I don't know what store you have in your area down here. It's Publix. There's one on every corner. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the way it is. And so somebody... You know, if you're in a competitive market, and it used to be like, hey, man, I'm only competing with people on Dealer Row, which was the street, you know, they were on. But today, Dealer Row is your entire city. Somebody would just as soon get in the car and drive. Or the next city now. Absolutely, man. I, you know, I, and so best practices, or in in this case, we talked about best practices, and that's obviously what this is going to turn into. Not just like, hey, you suck, dealer, but hey, you know what? Not just stop this, but do this, try this, and and so we've talked about best practices. Practices today, we're going to talk about what not to do, yeah. and then what to replace it with. Yeah, I, I was that was my curiosity going into today's show. I was thinking, you know, are we going to hear something that we can all agree on? that we need to eliminate. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if anyone really brings that and if it's compelling enough mm-hmm. for us to really make that change. Sure. And, you know, some other th- knowing the guests we have on the show today, we have six guests on the show. And uh, thank you, by the way, to the guests for taking their time out. And so and, and I know that they're opinionated and they're not they're not shy. They're not quiet. And they're you know, and they're, and they're not they're not you know, they're not uh, reserved on on how and what they think and how they feel. So with that being said, I know that we're going to not only are we going to get their uh, their advice, so to speak, but there's going to be some discussion, some disagreement, some challenges possibly on some of these views. And here's what's really cool about that. You know, your dealership, you might find that your dealership in in in, you know, in in um specifically your dealership, you know, is is doing something that may not be working for them. And it may spawn you or challenge you to actually change that where somebody else it may be working. So, you know, there's there's greatness in my opinion in in uh in true honest debating or discussion and challenging one another because this is not one size fit all. Man, this is really like, hey, I'm doing this you know, and this is what I feel. But hey, you know what? It's not working for me. And so I think there's going to be a lot of great uh, learning that takes place today as well. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, one of the reasons for that is because, 
you know, the, the people who actually make it on the show on Auto Dealer Live are leading the industry in different areas. So, right. you know, it's not like you're just hearing some some ideas. I mean, you're hearing things that are uh, in play in dealerships on the blacktop by people who are succeeding in those areas. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, I'm excited and hopefully you are as well. And um, the next up, the next up and, you know, actually, um, before I say the next up and actually introduce the next segment, it's funny because we just received a tweet. I saw it come through on the on the banner here. Uh, received a tweet from uh, the next up and uh, Clint Burns. And the next up, he said, are basically a group of six uh, mystery guests. <laughs> I love it. So uh, that's pretty cool, Clint. But the next up right now, and don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back with the panel. But the next up is Get Your Social On, and we'll be right back. Hey, wonderful. It's good to see you this week, and welcome to GYSO. Get your social on. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Amanda Ryan. And if you follow the last time we did Get Your Social On, we talked about targeting on Facebook and how you can properly do it. So if you haven't checked it out, you definitely want to, because today is a follow-up to that. Right. Today is the day you're going to want to get your hashtag on. <laughs> Hyper-targeting customers with Facebook, Facebook hashtags, hashtags, to be exact. So... We talked about targeting, we talked about geotargets, we talked about Facebook ads, but how can you hyper-target even further? Because you just don't want to have all of your eggs in one basket. No, you don't. And you don't always have to pay either. I mean, in the sense of just pay. Mm -hmm. we, we, you definitely have to pay on Facebook, but you want to expand that, right? So you want to target the people in your local area through your content. So we've talked many times before about using local content, mixing that in with the other types of content that you have. But we also want to make sure that you're using the hashtags of your local area. So not just your physical local area, mm -hmm. the surrounding areas as well. Right. So definitely target with those geo targets. Use your search engine optimization targets that you already have established because those can be very helpful just to just to recap a little bit we did say you know make sure that it's of the local and surrounding areas and not just your competitors market right but if you aren't familiar with a hashtag that is okay not everybody knows what a hashtag is not everybody uses it or understands what's the point a hashtag is a word or phrase preceded by a hash or pound sign and it is a to identify a specific topic so right. you want to look at it like this Basically, a hashtag is what people use as a keyword to search with a pound sign exactly. in front of it. Exactly. So uh, it's a search term that you're using. So if you're looking for Ohio and stuff that's happening in Ohio, you would put the pound sign, which is what we like to call the hashtag. hashtag. And you would put that in no space and then the word. You don't want to put numbers or anything in there. So just make sure that it's the word that you're looking for for in a search type of And element. people use it all the time. They yes. do it for interest, topics, location, etc. And the thing is, is what I like to, like to sum it all up, uh, what I like to call it is a hashtag is a hub for like-mindedness. Exactly. So just to put it on the reverse side of a hashtag, when you, for instance, go up to the search bar and you put in Ohio, anybody who has hashtag Ohio in their content, in their posts and so forth, what happens is that it'll collect all in that that area so like a news feed of its own exactly yeah. and combines them all together so they can search it out and look at what's going on in ohio makes life easier for it the searcher does. 
Okay, so that's a Facebook hashtag because yes, hashtags have expanded long after Twitter brought it to life um, in on the internet. Exactly. You can ha- use them on Facebook, G+, Instagram. I mean, who doesn't yeah. use it? If you follow me on Instagram, you know I do. Um, <laughs> even on Pinterest. Right. So lots of places use hashtags now and that's because they're so popular. So now you're at the point where you're about to use the Facebook hashtag. You have your geo targets you know who you're uh targeting the the persona you're targeting so now it's time to find people in your area it is time to use facebook hashtags and begin targeting right so we're going to give you some examples exactly so just to just to jump a little bit here backwards in time (laughs) so basically what happens is that we had mentioned in previous videos as well as earlier in this episode um, that you want to use the hashtag, so the pound sign plus a word, which is your geo target that we're talking about today, um, or any other local area that you know is definitely in your market, um, and you want people to come to your dealership, mm-hmm. right? So um, if you live in hashtag Ohio, um, more specifically Cincinnati, then you might want to mix it between hashtag Ohio and hashtag Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So here are some examples of how to incorporate those hashtags of your local area into content that you put out on Facebook. And keep in mind that even though you have Facebook ads, you're already targeting. You're already going to be targeting these people. Right. However, we've noticed and we've come to see that you can use specific hashtags. And when you look at insights, like we talked about last week, you can start seeing that that specific hashtag has brought more people, even though you're not targeting it through Facebook ads. And the conclusion is, is Facebook search right? They are optimizing their search. They want to become a really popular search engine. So they're going to tie that in and they're going to put that up in the algorithm for you to be able to be seen when you use hashtags. And another key point is when you're about to put a hashtag in and you're not familiar, say it's a new hashtag you haven't used before, you might want to check in the Facebook search to see if it even exists. Yes. Yes. Or do your research. Yeah. Always do your research. Always look at it. And then you know going forward you can reuse that hashtag because it exists. But keep that in mind because it is important to show that your results come up. On Facebook. Because not every hashtag is a hashtag. You know what I mean? Right. The thing is, is that usually when it comes to locations, it's pretty good. It's pretty safe. So here's our first example. Example number one is a fun fact about your location. So this is uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. You want to say, our beautiful town of hashtag Beaufort was chartered in 1711. It is the second oldest city in South Carolina following Charleston. Right. And you want a lovely picture. You Crisp, t- clear <laughs> quality. Yeah, and I mean, it can't. It doesn't just have to be like a panorama or, um, you know, a wide shot. It could be the welcome sign to mm-hmm. Beaufort. Um, you know, think of all the different creative things you can come from. Now, if you think about it, this will be unique to your page because you're the one who's going to do the research and find out that information and put it on the page, and then you're going to select the picture that goes with it and. It'll be hard to find a very, like, the exact same or a duplicate of that on another dealership's page. Secondly, you're so reaching... So, original content. Right. Secondly, you're reaching actual physical co- customers that can walk into your dealership because hashtagging the local area, right? Beaufort. Beaufort. And you made it natural. Like, you made it... Blend in. Blend into yeah. the actual post. So, 
that's a fun fact. This is an example that you can use, and it's well-liked. This is what people want to like right. when they see your page. I mean, that's what I was going to say number three was, yeah. is that you're, get, you're providing your customers with knowledge, and that makes it shareable, that makes it likable, and that makes people want to comment. And that should answer all the dealers out there that are wondering, why would you ever post any local content on a car page? It's because when you go and you actually meet anybody in person or, like, just real life, like, we base our friendships, our interactions on commonality. Right. That is what our core foundation is on friendship, on family, on those that we are close to. So why wouldn't you do that with your customers? Yeah, I mean, you have two things in common. Where you're located mm -hmm. and the like vehicles. They want to buy. They want to buy. They might not like always your prices. They might not like, you know, that you're 20 minutes away. But if you show customer service and commonality and you're there and you're giving them knowledge, yeah. they might say, you know what, that 20 minutes isn't a big deal. And guess what? I like that price because I, it's worth well worth the customer service I'm receiving. For years and years and years to come. Exactly. Okay, so we're on to example number two. The Empire State Building. A landmark. a landmark. Yeah. Every single, doesn't matter if you're big or small, every single town has a landmark. And it's going to mean something to your local people. Right. So we're going to take something, you know, New York City. Why not? The Empire State Building is the most photographed building in the world. Hashtag New York City. And I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, you grab a great picture, you think of something, or you find something online, and you insert the hashtag. Right. So this isn't naturally built in, but it still works. Exactly. And it's a fun fact about a landmark, but that's a different, it's different than the actual, um, just fun fact. Exactly. So you're, 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 you're it's, this is hyper-targeting. You're going right. deeper in. And a lot of people in your area are going to have experiences at the Empire State Building if you live in New York. And so it's shareable, likable, commenting. You're building that loyalty, that trust, and, of course, that recommendation. So the next one, let's head on over to North, North Carolina. Yeah. And it was, when was the last time you took a stroll at the Riverwalk, hashtag, Wilmington. So now this is a place. Now you can think of many different places. It doesn't just have to be a nature place. It can actually be, you know, a physical building like a movie theater. Architecture. Uh, you can think yeah, of like, architecture. You know, any type parks. of building that it's open for the public. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Swimming okay. pools, anything like that, um, that, you know, a lot of people will go to, have enjoyed time being there. And um, again, it's sociable content. Right. And the Riverwalk, you know, happens to be where a lot of storefronts are. So... A lot of people are going to go there, and you're probably going to get a lot of comments. Hey, I was just there this morning. Right. Or I was just there last week. That's what you want. Right. You want those people that were just there. So you might say, oh, that's just too common of a place. No. People want to talk about where they've been, what they're doing. That's why they're on the social network. Exactly. All righty. It is time for Get Your Social On. Social shout-outs, shout-outs. This week, Mike, your car oh, guy. So, Mike the Car Guy, you got a little competition guy? on Twitter there with Mike, your car guy. Both great peeps, I'm sure. And we know we already know Mike the, the car, car guy. guy, so we're looking forward to getting to know you better, Mike, your car guy. Yes. At DennyBoss10, uh, all you automotive folks want to connect with other automotive folks on Twitter, this is your chance. This yeah. is where we give the social shout-outs. At CBouchard6824 and... At Chad Kirchner. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. If you want to see yourself up here on the screen here on Auto Doodle Live and get your social on, all you have to do is tweet at me at the Aaron Ryan. Or me at Amanda Shares. Or nice. you can tweet at both of us. Together, yeah. At GYSO Addicts. 
that wraps up this week's show. We hope that we've helped you further your targeting on Facebook. We look forward to connect with those local people. Connect with your local people. It will do wonders for you, for your marketing and your budget. Exactly. If you want to watch other episodes like the one we talked about in regards to Facebook targeting, what sparked this specific episode, you can. You can head on over to wikimotive.com slash GYSO. You can check out all these articles of helpful free tips on your digital marketing as well as YouTube videos. And also check us out on Facebook. We're there too. We have a Facebook group and that's... Facebook.com slash group slash get your social on. Until next time, friends, get your social on. We're back. We are back. Thank you very much, Amanda and Aaron Ryan. That was Get Your Social On. I want to thank those ladies for uh, throwing out some great social knowledge on a regular basis. And uh, so we're going to jump right into the panel. I want to appreciate, want to appreciate um, uh, Mike here. Mike, somebody's t- Lisa, Lisa's. So I want to appreciate you guys um, hanging out. And uh, this is what we've been talking about, man. We've been talking about and waiting on and waiting for um, the panel of best practices and getting rid of the worst practices. And so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring on, and then we're going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves at the, we're going to introduce them, but we're going to let them go ahead and tell you how to reach them after the panel. So we're going to go ahead and spare the pleasantries and just go ahead and introduce who we have on. We want to thank J.D. Rucker, Jeff Collins, Alan Ram, April Rain, Corey Mosley, and Elise uh, Kephart, um, actually Elise Kephart Adame. Thank you very much. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for joining us. This is our panel. This is the mystery guest. So the next up, we have Suck Less Panel. And uh, <laughs> we want to thank you guys for getting on. And, and listen, I'm really excited about not only you guys uh, helping the dealers that are listening, obviously stop, you know, learn how to suck less. And, and But, you know, in, in return, what to fill that void with, you know, how can they leave the worst practices or what practices should they leave? And then in return, Replace that void with a practice that works. What 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 kind of thing? What what needs to be shot and killed at their dealership? So I'm going to just jump right out of the gate, and I'm going to start this with Jeff Collins. Jeff, I appreciate you being on the show. I know you're uh, you're 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 there um, on the blacktop. You're running several rooftops as an e-commerce director. And uh, Jeff, you know, bring some heat, man. Tell tell the dealers that are listening what they need to kill. What needs to be shot first? Thank you, Jeff. Well, thanks, David, for having me on. Um, you know, your mind is like a parachute. If it's not open, it doesn't work. So um, the, the, the days of the old school mentality where we still operate with that, that, that comfortable, traditional art of selling cars, those that have made that transition into the science of selling cars, mm-hmm. those are your progressive dealers, and those are the ones that are killing it. And, uh, you know, I've been hashtagging digital Darwinism all day long today. And you can be on one side of the bell curve or the other. You can either suck and um, not adapt and die, or you can be on the other side of the bell curve and adapt and provide that, that unique consumer experience that complements your, your, your digital efforts. And you're going to ring the bell. Hmm. It's, it's very, very easy, but or it's very, very simple, just not always easy. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and uh, Jeff, why do you think that maybe dealers are resisting maybe evolving and, and maybe still kind of, uh, you know, stuck in that, that old way of thinking? It's, it's easy. It's comfortable. Um, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I don't want to change. I'm going to continue to let the consumers and their behavior evolve. But I'm still going to use that proverbial green Sharpie and the four square, and I'm going to expect the same results that I got 10 years ago. Um, I'm going to go into that, that, that um, presentation with the numbers with the pencil, and I'm going to try and make a home run and gross $3,500. But what we, don't, what, what we fail to realize is that 10 years ago, we controlled the fence. We were armed with all the information, invoice, trade evaluations. Um, today, that, that role is reversed. But yet, we still think we control the consumer. We don't. We don't control where that fence is anymore. Um, and I think that's, that, that's a huge disconnect. And then couple that with the lack of training to, to help get your staff to that point, you know, with your Corey Mosley's and your Alan Rams and, you know, your April Reigns. Um, you know, I get it. Some dealers don't know how to train. I get that. But we have support mechanisms and, and, and highly, highly talented consultants that can come in and help you further your endeavors. All right. Uh, let me ask you, Alan. Um, I know Alan's on the phone. And by the way, um, the, the, those on video, when we uh, air the show after this, the show's live, when the show will be edited immediately and uh, the video will uh, be there for the archive. <laughs> And um, let me ask you this, Alan, who's on the phone with us. You know, Alan, you're in dealerships on a regular basis. Uh, you're also training general managers um, at your management by fire conferences and so forth. And tell me, tell the dealers listening, how can they suck less? What do they need to do? What's the number one thing, according to Alan Ram, that dealers need to kill first and shoot right now? How can they suck less? Yeah, it's funny. I decided to just have my picture up today instead of being on video because I look, I look better in edited photos. I've realized that about myself. So, uh, hey, thank you guys very much for having me on this panel. Here, you know, quit accepting excuses. That's that's a, that's huge. I I was at a, a working with a dealership group Monday, Tuesday. I was on the East Coast, and again, and I've talked about this before, but I promise you, everybody hasn't heard this because not everybody gets it yet. You know, I was asking dealers. We 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 tend to ex accept excuses. I was asking sales managers. Do you listen to your sales calls as they come in? Do you listen to your sales calls throughout the day? And this is a dealership. They've got call monitoring. The calls are going into the right buckets. They've got the right numbers attached to campaigns. And the managers, and I heard the same stuff I hear all the time. Yeah, we manage, we listen to, to some, but not all. We probably listen to about 20% of them. Or, you know, I, I had a dealer, one of the GMs in the room says, I haven't listened to a call in, in over a year. And I don't understand how that is okay. And I'm talking specifically about sales calls right now because, you know, here's the way I look at it, how and anyone should look at it. If I'm a sales manager to dealership, and we're okay with accepting excuses from our managers. A lot of dealers are. I'm not. But what activity can be more impactful on a daily basis at a dealership than listening to customers that called up today. They called up today. 
they want to buy cars today, okay? And I'm talking about listening to them every hour because that customer that's calling you up at 10 a.m. is going to be out someplace at 4 p.m. buying a car. If we're listening to this call at 8 p.m., it's too late. But what would be more impactful than listening to these calls as they come in and quickly resolving missed opportunities to do business? Why, there, there's nothing we can be doing that's more impactful than that. And, and I don't understand why that's optional. So that's what I would say to dealers. Quit accepting excuses from your managers. We don't have time. You know, what, whatever else. It's got to go to number one priority. Okay. And uh, so let me ask you this. Okay, April, um, thank you for being with us. And, and, and so commenting on that, and by the way, guys, anytime you want to jump in after we get some initial, you know, uh, initial thoughts from you guys, I know this is really going to be, um, you know, different opinions, different different things. It could be different complete topics uh, in the automotive um, uh, business here. But April, in your opinion, what does a dealer need to kill? Um, do you have a comment, maybe a re- reply to anything that's been said so far? Uh, yeah, thank you. And hopefully my sounding is good. I'm actually at a General Motors conference, and so uh, trying to get a conference from another conference. You sound, you sound perfect. Perfectly. <laughs> perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> Elise, you're here? Okay, yeah. I'll have to hunt down Elise. <laughs> <laughs> we should have been in the same room. That would have saved time. Uh, so I was torn between uh, one and two topics, so I'll go with the one that I feel uh, is the most. They need to get rid of their generic branding. Uh Dealers complain that they don't stand out and that, you know, people shop from dealership to dealership, but yet I see that they push out the same lazy marketing over and over. They take whatever, um, you know, whatever they put out on a monthly basis, they change the date and they ship it out again. They, to, to Alan's point, they, they don't refresh, they don't update, they don't, they don't share who they are. And there's a lot of dealerships in this country. I mean, I was lucky enough to even work with Corey last year, uh, seeing a handful of Mercedes dealers and as well as, um, you know, uh, other dealers throughout the country. And there's some great stories that dealers just don't share. Uh, Tapel and Tulsa had a book of their history, and they really, like, sold the heritage of who they were and had it, like, found and everybody got one. And it really made people feel like they were buying into um, – kind of the family culture and, and who the dealership was. Uh, BMW in Minnetonka has a movie theater. Like anybody that tries to buy a car with kids just kills for that. So just anything that dealers can do to like separate themselves, they need to get rid of their generic, lazy mentality of uh, just being like everybody else. How are they going to stand out? Okay. Yeah, and I know, I know Elise is going to weigh on that too, I'm guessing, because I know that she's big on personalizing uh, culture at the dealership. And, uh, but bef- right before we go to Elise, I just want to go back to Corey for a moment or introduce Corey. And, and uh, Corey, when, uh, when Alan was talking about that accountability and uh, you know, the fact that uh, dealers have gotten away from that, they're afraid to hold their management accountable, things like that, have we gotten to a place in the car business where we're trying to make the dealership such an amazing environment that we're losing some of that ability to kind of, you know, uh, have those high accountability expectations? Well, no, I think, you know, well, thanks for having me on, by the way. I think that um, no question, clearly, I mean, I, I completely agree with Alan in relation to uh, the accountability piece. I know that, you know, he, he's really big on that. That's a, that's a main factor. And the accountability as it relates to excuses, and those excuses usually end up being reasons why we can't develop the skill sets that we need to compete in today. 
So it's usually, well, they didn't learn the, they didn't learn it that way. They didn't come up in the business that way. And those are usually the excuses that kind of permeate through the accountability problem. It's kind of like where Alan talked about it from the manager's perspective. You know, I always ask managers, when's the last time a salesperson came up to you and said, hey, boss, I screwed that deal up? And, of course, we, you know, I love, I love asking questions I already know the answer to because it's never. It, it never happens that way because we don't take that accountability. So I think that we have a responsibility just like every other industry that has to adapt to what's happening uh, to get the skills, learn the skills, and that's to Jeff's point about an investment in training and continuing that investment. But that will propel all these things that the manufacturers want us to do, the, the Apple ideas of the world in terms of customer process and all of these nuances to creating a better customer experience. All of these things don't come from simply saying, okay, great, we renovated, and now we got Starbucks coffee instead of Sanka. It comes from the whole investment in everybody increasing their skill set um, to do it. And then just before I throw it back to you, I wanted to say my thing, if that's okay. Sure. Um, the thing that I was thinking of. The one thing I wanted to throw in is getting rid of the fear to be first. So I can't tell you how many dealerships over my time in the business and, and, and working with them, when we're talking about a concept of something, it becomes, well, Corey, who else is doing this? How many other dealers uh, are on this program? Or how many other dealers are doing it this way? What are the names of these dealers? And we're always looking for, we want to hear the big name so they think it's then safe to try something or safe to try something that they weren't doing yesterday. So I think you really have to kill this fear of being first to market, to have first, you know, they teach this in business school, FMA, uh, first mover's advantage. We have to have, get rid of the fear of, of getting in the game and doing something that everyone else might not be doing before all 19,000 retailers start doing it. You, you know, I want to, this is Dave Villa. Thanks, Corey, for sharing that because, you know, before I go to J.D., you know, something that stuck out when you said that, I mean, first, first when you, when, before, you, before you explained it, I thought when you said don't be, have a fear of being first, I took it as maybe you were going to say something about being number one. That's what I thought, and too, not, not being the first person, but being the top person. And you know what? Actually, it relates to both, being number one and being the, the, the first person possibly out there. And something I want to point out, because you know we service a lot of dealerships in our business, and I hear the same thing. Who else is doing it? And, some, you know, of course, we want to sell it. We don't want to complicate the sale. So we usually bring those name drops to the table. But if you think about it, that isn't that's 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 as useless as you know it's it's really useless because the reality is some of those stores may have pieces in place that the store that's asking about it doesn't have in place and it's not going to work the same way you know for them unless they're willing to do uh, something different and unique that, that 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 the top players are doing so when I hear you say that I say amen because hey don't don't be afraid to break the mold. And who who wants to be a copycat, man? I, you know, I want to be an original. I wanna I wanna blaze a trail. You know, I don't want to walk down some crusty old you know trail. You know, chasing breadcrumbs. So, well said there. And let me go to JD because JD, you said on Twitter today. Um, I think I think I was on Twitter about an hour or so ago. You said that this, in your opinion, was one of the most important things that we could talk about in the auto business uh, regarding the topic of the show. So, thank you first of all for for joining us. But uh, explain that and then give us. J.D., uh, what dealers, in your opinion, need to stop doing? Well, it, it, it's funny because, because that's why I love these panels, because 
you go in with an idea, but then you listen to some of these people, you guys listening to, to Corey and April and Jeff and, and Alan, and we're going to hear from Elise, you get, you get your own ideas. You get to hear, wow, okay, so that's something we need to discuss. When I was on Twitter, I knew that this would happen. I knew that I would go in here with one concept and then listen to these people and come up with something that's completely different. So I'm going to go, <laughs> my, my suck less item, um, it actually stems up with what you and Corey were just talking about. And that's about being unique, not having to to listen to uh, to what other people are doing before deciding whether or not that's what you want to do. Uh, I'll tell a quick story. When I was selling cars, we had this concept that we thought was relatively unique. We called it peak trade value alerts. So we would get the customers to to give us information. This is after the, the car's already sold, okay? We already sold the, the the car. We're delivering it now. We want to find out, you know, where. How much are you going to drive? You know, what are what are your expectations as far as the the quality of the car? And the reason we want to do this, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer, is because we want to be able to alert you, whether that's one year from now, three years from now, six years from now. We want to be able to tell you, hey, right now, based on the market conditions, you have your peak trade value. Your car is worth as much as it's going to be relative to depreciation, so that it's in a prime time to to uh, trade it in. And we didn't do this just for the whole, you know, looking forward um, three years, six years. We did this because we would get people that would come to us that very moment or that day and say, hey, well, that's interesting that you guys can do that. Um, can you take a look at my husband's car? Can you look, take a look at my, my neighbor's car? You know, tell me if, if they're in peak trade value at this point. We would make sales immediately. And that brings up the, the whole point, and I'll wrap it up, is that I think that dealers spend so much time um, as, as Alan was pointing out, so much time, what are we doing to improve sales today? They're focused on the right now moment. And that's important. I, I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm not going to disagree with Alan, but I think that the best way to make sure that you're getting today's sales is to be looking forward. You think about it like when you're driving a car. When you drive a car, you're not looking 10 feet in front of you. You're looking, you know, 100 yards in front of you. You're looking at what's happening, and you're making adjustments based upon anything that's, that's happening directly in front of you. Somebody's going to cut in front of you if, if you need to change lanes, but you're not looking directly in front of you. You're looking way ahead. If dealers did that more, they would suck less because by looking forward, you can, you can actually have a, a, an ongoing strategy and make the minor course adjustments for the things that are happening. Uh, we were looking forward with our peak trade value, but... It created sales today and tomorrow. And if they just make their mentality, it's not about, holy crap, i gotta get, I got to close the month out. I need to get the, as many sales as possible over the next three days. So what can we do in the next three days? It's about having a strategy guide you long term so that you're not having to worry about whether or not you're going to make your sales numbers for this month. You're concerned about if you're going to to make your sales numbers for the year. You're concerned about what happens if the economy goes up, what happens if the economy goes down. Looking looking further ahead with your strategy is, I mean, I think if dealers did that, that would be an instantaneous suck-less moment. Yeah, thank you, Jay. And I didn't mean to disagree with you, Alan, by the way. <laughs> well, you didn't. It, it had nothing to do with what I said. It's not like you could have, uh, I could actually look into the future, into tomorrow's calls, and and listen to the calls I'm going to get tomorrow. It was it's a completely different point. Exactly. So you didn't disagree with me. Yeah, and, and I, I agree that I didn't disagree. <laughs> thank, thank you, gentlemen. And yeah, they still they they've got to listen to their calls today. That's what I was talking about. Okay. I can't listen to tomorrow's calls today. Yeah, absolutely. Or next week's calls today. 
Absolutely. And, be some cool technology, though. And uh, Yeah, I'm sure someone will have it out soon. Uh, Elise, you're in hot demand at dealerships all over the country. I'm seeing you in different showrooms constantly. Tell us what's hot, what's not, what would you change, what's working. Uh, share with dealers, please. Well, you know, I um, just like JD said, you know, on this call, I had I came in with okay, one thing, and then start start to listen to other people, and your mind kind of just goes, you know, you're agreeing with certain things and disagreeing with certain things. Um, but I'm going to try and stick to kind of the core essential. And um, you know, I think April brought up, of course, uh, branding, and not just generic branding, but, but but really, you know, setting yourself apart from the rest of the crowd. Um, but what I was starting to think about when she was talking about about that was. You know, we focus so much on how can I get more traffic? Okay, well, I need to start um, building my brand or I need to, you know, start focusing on uh, Google Analytics or getting more leads or whatever it may be. But what it comes down to is, you know, it's a still really basic thing that uh, despite, you know, despite all the technology that is available and all these new tools and new ways of thinking, it comes down still to, to the phone. And we can focus it on inbound um you know, inbound calls, but really really what I want to talk about is a little bit is outbound calls. You know, when I go to a dealership, I, uh, one of the things that, that I hear is, um, you know, well, all my, all my calls are done. Like, what should I do? All my calls are done. And there really never should be a point uh, where someone has completed all their, all their calls. And the reason for that um, is because, you know, so, so many salespeople and business development centers fail at, you know, they'll usually, they'll usually attempt it uh, trying to fix customers. And maybe make a one, you know, send one call and send one email. But if you really want to get that customer on the phone, however, however that lead came in, um, you know, you need you need to have the, the right process in place. And, and managers uh, from the top up need to make sure, or from the top down, I apologize, need to make sure that um, they're tracking those types of things as far as how many calls are actually being made, how many connections, uh, how many how many connections are being made from those phone calls and. And uh, really training and certifying and, and making sure that um, the phone calls are actually um, are actually being productive, meaning that, that appointments are being scheduled from them. Um, you know, so, so people really, just, despite all the technology, and of, of course you guys know I'm a huge fan of technology and always kind of moving that needle, but it, it still amazes me that even now in 2015, um, you know, the phone is almost like this lost art form that kind of gets that gets thrown in the weeds that people forget about. Um, and then also, you know, when it comes to um, when it comes to the the CRM, you know, when it comes to managing your CRM and making sure that everybody's using it uh, and everybody's on the same page level, there, um, I, I see I see that a lot of times too, where you you have you know, people in the industry that. Um, that don't utilize the CRM, and, and Alan kind of talked about excuses. When it comes to utilizing, you know, making phone calls and getting appointments and utilizing the CRM, you know, I think about, and I, I wasn't selling cars like this, but I, I grew up around the car business. My dad was, uh, you know, was a car salesperson in, in management when I was a kid, and I remember um, I would help him with certain stuff, and the way he had to make calls was on 3 by 5 cards, you know, and, and putting it in these little boxes and so forth. And now there's these CRMs that... You don't have the three by five cards anymore, and the boxes of, of how you how you do follow up. It's a tool that really should save time, and yet there's all these excuses on in our industry on um, you know why they can't do something, why why they're not setting appointments, or why they don't want to make this phone call, or why it's not an effective phone call. 
Um, so really utilizing your, you know, utilizing your CRM, whatever it may be, um, to, you know, to, to, to get effective results from uh, from the phone calls that you're making. Absolutely. Let me ask you that. Here's here's we have a few more minutes. We have about six minutes here, so I want to kind of do it this way so everybody can kind of you guys can take it from here. And we're going to call this the freestyle close here. So now you guys had to bring your topic to the table. I'm going to let you guys kind of ask maybe somebody else on the panel a question. And, and what we'll do is we'll start with Corey, and then we'll go Alan, and then Jeff, and then April, and then uh, J.D., and then Elise. So we'll start with you, Corey. You could pick someone on the panel. Maybe ask a question based on something you heard, and then we'll let you guys comment, and we'll kind of go down the line like that. We'll call this the freestyle close. How's that? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, question-wise, I mean, I, I mean, I think, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think there's generally a lot of alignment. I mean, I don't think this is one of the weeks where there's the knockdown, drag-out <laughs> battle no, no. Uh, of things. I'm, I mean, I think there's a, I have not heard anything that I really disagree with. I think there are pockets. I think somebody like myself and Alan um, go wider just because of the other things that, you know, and, and even it's not so much – it's not just about digital. It's not just about phones. Um, for me, I deal with so many other problems, you know, the, you know, that's the last thing, you know, for, that's just kind of like one of the many things. So I think there's a lot of alarm in here. The one thing I will say or one thing I will pose out there to see if people who are working in the stores agree is this idea that I find that generally the challenges with decision making are the decisions are made based on that individual's best level of thinking. So when you're trying to innovate, mm -hmm. when we're trying to, to not just fix a problem, but figure out kind of how J.D. said, how can we plan for the future, does anyone else run into those challenges in doing that because it's not correlating, because the person you're talking to or you're engaged with or the decision maker is not necessarily um, thinking at that same level? Okay. Well said. Alan? Well, I don't really have a, a question for anyone. I've got more of a uh, – I, I thought some people made some very good points here. It's, you know, one, one of the things I think the dealers, and I, I heard at least touch about the, on this, I think, was um, that dealers need to, to focus – you know, as, as she was talking about the CRMs um, – dealers need to focus more on the deals they're missing. Every dealer knows – how many deals they're making, how many new cars they sold last month, how many used cars they sold last month. Um, but what they, what they don't necessarily know is how many deals, deals they're missing by not maximizing opportunities both on the telephone as well as the Internet. You know, we know what we sold, but how many deals do we miss? And, you know, some of these tools that we've got in the, you know, some of these equity mining tools that dealers pay for and they're not using. So we miss a lot of opportunities. So that's what I would say to dealers. Focus more on the deals you're missing than, you know, the ones you make, that's great. But how many deals are we missing today? And, and focus on how you can salvage those. That's how you increase productivity going forward. Okay. And April? Yeah. So actually, I think um, to piggyback on what Mosley said about, um, getting everybody in alignment. I think that one of the reasons everybody kind of has struggles with everything that Alan and Elise and, and Jeff and Corey have said and JD is that dealerships have this ad hoc mentality. They just 
uh, move forward with whatever they hear. They hear something, you know, Corey inspires them that, you know, they're changing their practices or uh, I inspire them and they're wanting to change their marketing or they get a new CRM. They don't really go through their year with any kind of goals, plans, um, and, you know, it's kind of an idea of what they want their year to look like. So I would say, that, to Corey's point, a way to get everybody on the same page is to actually have something on the page to begin with Get everybody to put a strategy together of, like, what they would like their store to look like. And if, uh, you know, if anybody else has, you know, dealers that they see that have really good, they look at their years, they plan out their years and um, have focus, I'd love to hear, you know, any feedback on that. Or if they have any other suggestions of how do you get people inspired to do these different things on a long-term basis, I think, uh, Jeff, you know, I think that would be beneficial, too. Great okay. point, April. Jeff, can you weigh in on that? Thank you, April. Yeah, I I've got to agree with with um, with Alan and with Corey. It, there seems to be um, you know a, a core disconnect here, and I'm hearing it from everybody. And it's it goes back to what I said in the beginning. Um, you know, the difference between the art of selling cars versus the science of selling cars. So you know, Alan is talking about reaching into data looking at lost opportunities, where do you find that data at? Just like Elise said, you find it in your CRM. Um, where, and I think everybody agrees here, is that today we don't have to really guess at anything. You shouldn't be guessing. Um, if, if your decisions or your plans aren't based off of data, so now it's based off of speculation. Um, and We've got all these tools at our disposal to hold our staff accountable. We've got all of these support tools that we aren't leveraging to help train our staff and arm them with the information so that, that, that they are prepared to address that incoming phone call um, or that incoming lead or that walk-in. Um, I think everybody is absolutely spot on. And, and like I said before, get out of your freaking comfort zone and start looking at the data because it's sitting right in front of you. If you don't understand where you were yesterday and where you are today, how in the hell are you going to understand which direction you're going to move forward for tomorrow and be, and be more successful and to get those results? Again, it's very, very simple but not always easy. Well said, Jeff. And uh, J.D.? I'll ask a question for everybody, and, and for the sake of time, let's let's keep it to the twelve second twelve second elevator pitch answer. Um, I'll start with Jeff. Jeff, what is uh, what's the secret weapon to your dealerships? I'm sorry. What's the, the secret weapon at your dealerships for for your dealership success? Training, training, training. It's, it, it, again, that's 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 our secret sauce. Um, yeah. Well. It, 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 well said. Yeah, absolutely. I can't expect one of my staff members to go and win the Indianapolis 500 um, without showing them how to take turn one. But too often, and Alan, you go, you go to dealerships, Corey, April, you see it all the time. And they say, hey, glad you're on board. Not only do I need you to drive this car, I need you to win the freaking race. I'm not going to spend the time to show you how to take turn one. Don't worry about what this gauge says here. Just win the race. It doesn't work that way. You've got to invest in your people. I saw this, uh, I 
saw this comic, and it was a CFO asking the CEO, hey, what would be the implications of investing in our people? And the CEO comes, up, comes back around to the CFO and says, what are the implications if we don't invest in our people? I think, I think that's where the biggest pitfall lies with today's dealerships, and that's why they suck. Well said. And Elise? Uh, I, had a, I had a question, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, so, so, Alan, I have a question. I know you had mentioned in the beginning that, you know, managers are, uh, you mentioned when you, when you asked, a lot of them say, you know, I don't listen to uh, my calls every day. Um, what are some of the excuses on, on why they don't? Hey, excuses. You know, most of it is excuses. They'll say that they don't, and it's not typically that they don't have time. I've asked them before, and they they don't even think about it. Some of them just don't think about it, and they're not held accountable by the owners. I think that's probably the biggest reason. No one demands it. I would. That's that's the first thing I would demand at my dealership is my managers have to listen. You got to have call monitoring open, and as the calls come in, you're listening to it and quickly resolving missed opportunities to to. To uh, to do business. Well, the only reason I asked is because I knew there was a debate a while back ago with a similar topic, and one. Of I know you did. And I, I, and I worked at a dealer. One of the things was, well, my managers, you know, of course they have time because they're they're on their phones, you know, watch, buying golf gear or watching playing Candy Crush. Right. I think even uh, Laura Madison had mentioned that. And so I guess just my question to that is, if I had a manager, if I was a salesperson who isn't leading by example and who is, uh, you know looking at golf gear and, and playing Candy Crush on their phone. As a salesperson, if they came to me uh, about a phone call, I think there's just lack of training with managers and lack of um, inspiration there. If a manager came to me and, and they're not, you know, they're not leading by example, I really wouldn't want to take a, um, a review session or, or I wouldn't have respect for, for them just, you know, if they came to me and said, hey, this, you know, why didn't you set this appointment or let's, uh, let's review this call and get this appointment because, I'm looking at that manager saying, well, well, who are you to talk because you're sitting in your manager chair all day, um, you know, really really not uh, not doing much as, as a manager to, you know, to, to somebody that I could look up to, I guess. Well, let, let's, you know, a lot of managers in the, in the industry don't really know how to manage. They know how to structure a deal and they know, they know how to close. Sure. But there's very, been yeah. very little management training. And, Jeff, we're listening to, you know, Jeff talk about his secret sauce, his training that shouldn't Absolutely. be the secret. That shouldn't be the secret sauce. And Jeff does a great job with his people. That's fantastic. Why though is training considered optional in our industry? It's it's not optional for airlines. It's not optional for the military. It's not. But in our industry, the problem is is one of the big pro- issues is now I'm getting on a roll. One of the big issues is complacency. And so many dealers have made so much m- money over the years, despite the fact that they may have sucked. Despite the fact that they're missing opportunities left and right, no question. So, uh, and the so, one thing I have to—I have to say. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut the whole thought. No, I, I, no, Corey, I'll say no. uh, this is David, but I'll let you finish it. But I mean, basically, I guess the fallacy then, Alan, based on that, is, hey, I'm making money, so I must be successful. I'm making money, oh, yeah, so it must be exactly. Yeah. Hey, we sold 350 cars. Uh, we, we sold 350 cars last month. Okay. Well, how many deals did you miss? And here's and here's the right. problem with that, Corey. The, Corey, pick it up on that. And here's the problem with that. The problem is the industry's changing. And when those 350 cars or those forty thousand dollar a month desk jobs that used to be there with general sales managers that were you know that were the hammers aren't available anymore. They leave and become trainers like Corey. But you know when they're not available like that anymore in the car business, the the deal is, you know, then all of a sudden they don't know what to do. 
hey, how, how do I get it back? The owners are like, well, what's going on? And the, so Corey, you know, what, am I right on that, Corey? So now the industry's changing, and I can't just trip up and sell 350 cars by accident anymore. <laughs> Right, so it's, it's, I took some quick notes, and I'll go fast. I know we have time. I had to say quickly to, to Elisa's point, this is the only industry that I know of where once you get the title of manager, you get to keep it forever. It doesn't matter if you're good, bad, indifferent. You just can put sales manager in your card, and you're allowed to go tear up everybody's dealership all over the country as a sales manager. That was point one. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say is there's always the ch- – I always use this kind of comment in the store. I say it is much harder to convince you that you're missing $100,000 in more net profit than it is to get you to buy into you've lost 100, let me show you how to get it back. See they don't it's tougher to sell the idea that there's money being missed. To Alan's point, how many deals are you missing? That's a much tougher sell to convince them than when they call you and say you know, we're losing money or, or we lost a hundred grand or sales are way off. We need to get it back. You have their ear a lot differently. And then the last thing you point about, uh, about, you know, the, the, some people need to be retired for the business. No question. Uh, there, there's, there's a strong pencil and then there's a strong pencil for today's market. I think there's, there's some, that's a whole other topic. But, um, as far as me, one of the things I always talk about is, one of the reasons why I can't and why I'm on the other side of the business is because I was managed so badly when I was in the business. So there's no reason why I shouldn't be somebody's operating partner or a GM or whatever it is, whatever the, whatever the ideal sphere would have been. It's the mismanagement. It's here's an idea. No, let's not do that idea. Here's a path we can take. No, let's not do that. You get tired of that over and over and over again, and then you find that there are people who are willing to listen and implement and profit from some of those ideas. Okay. Great, great point, Corey. And this has been such an amazing uh, opportunity to sit with all of you today and have this discussion. But we're gonna, I'm going to ask each of you just a quick closing remark and also, if you will, tell dealers how to reach you. I'll start with you, J.D., and then we'll go to Jeff. Uh, you can reach me, just go to DealerAuthority.com, um, DealerAuthority.com. And I guess my closing remark is that we need a lot more of this. These types of discussions, these types of panels, they need to be, they need to be more often and they need to be longer. Um, so many ideas just from the last, last half an hour. It should be, be a two-hour gig every week. Um, you guys should get on that. I think Tuesdays are open, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And Jeff? Thank you, Thank you J.D. Um, so you can uh, reach me via Twitter at ColinsJ13, um, or you can, uh, you can email me at jcollins at automaxok.com. Um, and uh, I agree with JD. I, I think that we need to have more panels like this. And I think that, too, if we had the ability to flag some questions from the dealer body in, in this forum as well, we probably can... Um, and, uh, tackle some more uh, subjects and concerns that uh, dealers themselves that feel like they're stuck in right now. Um, perhaps we can help. I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank you for having me on, David and David. No, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And Alan? Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks again for uh, having me on. Always, uh, always enjoy this forum. My, they can reach me at uh, Alan, A-L-A-N, at alanram.com or by phone. Eight six six nine nine six four six six five. Thank you, Alan. And April. Uh, so to 
closing remark, uh, I think this is um, a great group of people, and I think that if any dealer out there were to take any one suggestion from anybody, they would still be better off in 30 days if they just focused on one of these things. So just make an attainable goal and go after it. As for being able to find me or locate me, I'll be at the bar in 30 minutes. Maybe <laughs> 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 with a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, really. Uh, April at Digital Rain Inc. or uh, eight five five April Rain. Awesome, awesome. And Corey. Um, so for me, I want to thank everybody for the panel. Also, and you know, for the dealers listening, uh, a, a couple quick things. One, if you want to create a breakthrough in your store, it's really three things. One, you're going to take your best level of thinking. Two, you're going to connect that to a subject matter expert in the area that you're trying to go. And then three, we want to find out what the voice of the customer is going to be. Those will create breakthroughs in, in terms of moving forward in the path. And as far as follow, follow, finding me, um, despite the spelling of my name on the panel here, uh-huh. uh, ooh, Corey, C-O-R-Y, Mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y, you can type that right into Google or email me at Corey <laughs> at MosleyAutomotive.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, and Elise, we'll let you have the last word. Uh, so, again, thank, thank you guys for having me. I think I had some technical difficulties early on, uh, but I have some important information for everybody to write down. K-E-P-H-A-R-T, Kephart, that's my last name. Uh, my uh, first name is Elise, of course, and my phone number, 805, area code 426-9613. I can be reached at Elise, E-L-I-S-E, at phoneninjas.com. And just in closing, you know, in, in a wrap-up, dealerships, um, you know, really need to focus on uh, accountability with their process and make sure that uh, that their people are happy. People and process, I, I believe, are, would, is truly trumps all. Thank you, guys. Well said. Oh, thank you I all. thank you very much for taking time, and I agree with you guys. And we're working on something here, actually, in, in the next uh, very short period of time. We're actually, uh, I think it was, I don't remember which one said it, but, Uh, You guys all kind of supported it. We're going to be uh, working with some dealers that we're looking at actually pairing them up with someone such as yourself where we can actually do exactly what I think it was Jeff said, have dealers maybe bring a concern up and then have someone as an expert on the panel uh, give some feedback on that. So um, we, if you guys are open to that, we'd love to reach out to you. This has been a great, great panel. And uh, April, uh, you and Elise, enjoy. Enjoy the bar. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta rest. I'm gonna go over to the dealer for a little bit, about half an hour away from from the hotel. So I'll be I'll be there for a little bit, but definitely definitely after. I'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Yes, we appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. What an awesome panel. We want to thank them for joining us, and uh, you know, hopefully this helps your dealership suck less, and in return, uh, win more. Suck less, win more. Suck less, win more. Suck less, make more. Suck less, earn more. Suck less, do more, right? And and that's really what it comes down to. We want to make sure that we're more effective at our dealerships. And I want to thank J.D., Jeff, Allen, April, Corey, and Elise mm-hmm. for joining us. And uh, we're going to be right back to close the show out here in just a moment. But don't go anywhere. We're not quite finished. That went a little over, but you know what? It was worth it. But uh, take a look really quick from uh, a small little word here from our greatly appreciated sponsors. And we'll be right back in a couple minutes. Cellcology salespeople are some of the coolest salespeople in the country, and they sell a lot of cars. Why? Because they build amazing brands that their customers never forget. And they collect hundreds of referral leads every month from the customers they sell. 
On top of that, they partner with local businesses to exponentially grow their marketplace awareness within their community. And they follow up like a boss with sold and unsold customers. If you'd like to have a team that does the same thing, please go to sellcology.com or call 612-387-7776. Hello, I'm Alan Ram, president and founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Let's face it, good managers are defined not by what they do when they have a showroom full of customers, but more by what they do when there are no customers in the showroom. In 2015, whether you like it or not, the car business is all about conversion of opportunities and driving traffic. All those great closers and desk people are not doing you a whole lot of good if your dealership is not converting effectively on the telephone and internet. As an owner or dealer, when you see five salespeople standing by the front door doing nothing, don't kid yourself. Your dealership is not being effectively managed. Management by Fire is a two and a half day intensive course conducted entirely by me that teaches managers how to effectively manage in today's automotive industry. Simple processes for driving high quality traffic. For more information on upcoming events, please call my team at 866-996-4665. Once again, 866-996-4665. Thank you. And we're back. The show where dealers go. And the next up, the next up, straight from the blacktop, general sales manager, Marsh Bice with Sales Diamonds. As I said in a previous video, I uh, uh, just finished reading a book by Robert Greene, The 33 Strategies of War. And um, the first video was about uh, George Patton and the, the two lessons that George Patton learned on fear. There's a passage also in the book that talks about the legendary director, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, which you may have known from the movie Psycho. Well, apparently Hitchcock was a very interesting director because he didn't do a lot of directing. And he was very peculiar, very interesting to a lot of actors because he wasn't your normal director where um, he was high strung and jumping all over the set and stuff like that and very demanding. He basically sat in his director's chair the whole time. And so actors and actresses would shoot a scene and then look over at him for feedback and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't get off his chair, he wouldn't say anything. And so if it was a good scene, then they said he would 
actually doze off. And if it was a bad scene, he looked like he wanted to throw up. But in either case, he didn't get off his chair and say anything at all. Well, when he was filming the uh, 39 Steps, I think like in 1935, there was a scene in there where the actor and actress were going to be handcuffed together and had to run over the Scottish hills while the villains chased after them. And these weren't, these weren't any scrub actors. These were some elite actors. And so while they were filming the movie, the day before, while they were filming the movie and stuff, they were trying to figure out, okay, how does this scene need to go? And Hitchcock didn't really give them any direction, so they kind of got amongst themselves and said, okay, this is how we think this is going to have to go together. And so the day that they show up on the movie set, Hitchcock walks over to them, slaps the cuffs on both of them, and then leads them through the movie set, giving them a little bit of direction as far as how he envisions the scene to go. Well, while he's walking them through the, through the movie set, one of his, uh, Hitchcock's assistants comes up to him and says, we need to see you. And so Hitchcock says, okay, i got to go tend to some business. I'll be back. And so he reaches in his pocket, but there's no handcuffs, or no keys for the handcuffs. And so he leaves. He said, I'll be back. But he's gone for hours. And so here it is, this actor and actress shackled together and can't depart. There's no key. And so uh, the film crew and everybody, everybody's going about their day. Everybody's going about their way, and they're just sit, sat sitting here. And they couldn't go to the bathroom. They couldn't do anything. And as time went on, they started to feel loss of control. They felt like, okay, I'm not in control of myself anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm shackled together, and I don't know when this is going to come out. And so that, that, that fear and that tension and that raw emotion started bubbling up. And so hours later, Hitchcock shows up and says, okay, we're ready to shoot the scene. He doesn't say a lot, as always. And they shoot the scene. And the scene goes off brilliantly. I think this is one of Hitchcock's brilliant moves. Because what he did is, instead of instructing the actors how they should feel and how they should think and how they should do, he let them feel it. He let them feel the loss of control, the raw emotion, the fear. He let them feel it. And because they literally felt it, they shot the scene and it was very, very natural. Well, here's how it transpires to us in the sales industry. And this goes to sales managers. You're too quick to take the cuffs off your salespeople and their customer. And here's what I mean by that. If you're going in too early on a, on a TO, if you're going in too early on a deal, you're not letting your salespeople feel the raw emotion. And so you're going in there and you're taking off the handcuffs real quick and you're taking over the entire deal. The problem with that is, is you're stunning your salespeople's growth because they're not able to process and work through the raw emotion, the tension, the uncertainty. Oh my God, am I losing this deal? How do I put this deal together? All those kind of different things. There's a range of emotions they have to go through. But if you go in there and do it for them, they can't feel those things. And you're taking the cuffs off too quick. I remember when I started off in sales, and I had a sales manager who would not let me get up until I got a commitment. And so while I was in there working a commitment, I would be losing the deal, I felt like. And he would walk by with his hands behind his back, kind of Mr. Miyagi style, and just walk by, but he would never come in on my deals. And it just drove me bonkers because I could see him, yet he wasn't saving me. 
But what it caused me to do is I had to work through all those different emotions to finally figure out how to get that commitment. And so one day I went to the desk. I finally got a commitment. I went to the desk. I was mad. And I said, you were right there. Why didn't you save me? He said, Marsh, the reason why I don't save you is this. If you don't taste what it, if you don't know what it tastes like to, to drown, you'll never learn how to swim your way to success. And you've got to take in some of that water and you've got to choke on it a little bit where you feel like that you can't go any further. And when you start fighting to swim, fighting to live, that's when you'll survive in the car business. And that's exactly what you have to do. And I think that's a brilliant analogy, and I'm forever grateful because 17 years later, I'm still swimming. And so what I want to urge you to do is, sales managers, is I want you to stay in touch with your deal. Know what's going on in your deal. You're not going to lose it, and they're not going to drown. They know you have their back, but don't be so quick to run in there and take the handcuffs off their deal. Let them work through the range of emotions because what it's going to do is it's going to build their competencies up. It's going to build their confidence up. And what you're going to do is you're going to see new levels of growth, but you won't see it until they taste it a little bit. Until next time, I'm Marsh Bice, and I'll see you on the blacktop. This song, man, pretty funky. It is. Yeah, yeah, Get you yeah. moving. Hey, man, real quick as we wrap it up, Matt Keenig is the uh, featured cover of Dealer Solutions Magazine in the month of June. It's hitting dealerships as we speak right now. You do not want to miss the uh, feature in the article, man. He's on the cover, but also uh, has some great things going on. So here's the deal that's going on. I want you to get your phones and text this. It's going to be on the screen as well. But you send a text to 76626. 76626 and you're going to get in return the Dealer Solutions article sent right to you and something special from Buscador de Auto. Text Spanish. Yeah, text, text. I'm sorry, text the word Spanish. I'm sorry. My bad. Text the word Spanish to 76626 and you're going to get not only the Dealer Solutions article that Matt wrote, which is phenomenal, and it's really it's it's on how you know it's uh, it, it's um, it's on how you can get hooked up in the automotive industry by reaching out and learning how to impact the Latin community, Hispanic community in in America. And uh, Matt did a great job at Digital Dealer this past April yeah. uh, as the th third keynote. I got to uh, um, uh, moderate that panel. It was awesome. There's a uh, Peter uh, Lito with Google's on that panel. So anyway, it was awesome. And Matt did an amazing job. Also, you're going to get something special from Matt and the team over at uh, Buscador de Auto. So make sure you text the word Spanish to 76626. We want to thank Matt Keenig and look for that cover and look for that article. It's, uh, it's going to be hitting uh, thousands of dealerships. Um, I think almost 12,000 dealerships is going to be landing in your dealership here in the next couple of days. Could be today. Mm -hmm. So uh, awesome, man. What a great show. Oh, amazing show. Such a lineup of guests. And, uh, man, I was taking notes the whole time. It was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Really Mike, make sure, it. Mike, that we tweet that out about texting the word Spanish. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it very much. I want to thank everybody for being on the panel. I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. The next up on Auto Deal Live next up. is next Thursday show, 3.30. Come on.